This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 438 for Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen is back. You can find him at Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. That's Stephen with a PH, not a V as we'll get into later. And Steven ESC on Twitch, where he has been building the Lego Vespa set that we talked about the last time that he was on. How's that going, man? That's going really well. I actually I actually enjoy putting Lego together on stream more than I thought I would. It's, uh, it's about two-thirds done, so I've still got one more stream to do to finish it off, but it's, uh, it's been great. I really enjoy it. There is something very similar with building Lego on stream and doing Minecraft or video games on stream. Any kind of like lean Mm. back experience, not like first person shooters, but like any kind of like you have decisions to make or something cool is happening and you have time to process it and then also chat with chat about it. So like, you know, you put a cool section of piece together or you realize that the way that lego is is engineering this thing and something dawns where you're like oh that's how they're doing that or that's Mm -hmm. why i had to leave that piece open and the whole chat is doing the exact same thing they're like yeah i was wondering why there was a giant hole in the side (laughs) of this you know yeah and and i find that 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 experience is shared which is which is fun yeah and there's a few parts i mean it came up in chat where people would say trust the process trust the process because (laughs) there's a couple of points where you're going lego I don't see where you're going with this right now, but I'll just, I'll keep going. Don't let me down here. And sure enough, they come around and then and they spend so much time figuring this entire thing out that it's just, it's pretty darn tight when it's coming together. So I'm pretty pleased with it. I was actually able to hang out and watch, I think both of the streams. And I, I feel like, well, one, it was nice to just be able to sit back and watch a stream and not like raid someone and then have to watch for five minutes before I've got to go eat or, you know, do yeah. go some do something else or having a stream on in the background while I was working or whatever. I was able to just not do anything and just sit down and, and watch. And I remember one of those things that you mentioned on the stream was like these yellow or bright green pieces that do not right. go in the Vespa as far as color scheme wise, but it looks like they're there as part of the building process for like I guess instruction clarity would be my best guess. Would you feel that that's why? Like when you when you do it, do you just notice the fact that it's a different color? Um, it struck me as odd at first because on some level there's no need to have them as a different color. Um, in the sense that some of them just like a two a two by two plate, which is the flat piece, and they, they've got some beige ones in there. But there are also some blue ones, the light blue ones, the color of the actual actual scooter elsewhere. And so you're like, okay, well, they're just being placed here and then covered by a piece afterwards. I I don't understand. I guess the the things that I don't understand is why why not just keep them blue? It it doesn't make any sense whether they're yellow or blue. But I think you made a comment in the stream that 
it's possible that these are just the more popular pieces they've, they've you know they've already got these ones fabricated so if if it's going to be there structurally but not be there visibly then perhaps it's cheaper for them to use which i sort of get but then it's it's i always find it odd when there's yeah like there's a like a forced green piece and you can't see it but it's in there so there's a few of them so it's um yeah i haven't i haven't figured it out yet i've been i've been trying to trying to think of a good reason why and i honestly i forgot to look it up online but yeah when i made I that comment i think that it was thinking on scale like you're producing however yeah. many hundred thousands of these kits to be distributed around the world and if the green piece is a cent cheaper than the beige piece or the powder blue of the vespa pieces are really expensive because it's a unique dye that's not used in many other kits then you'd want to minimize those to the point where True. and it might also be like and the ones that are being used that are are put in there that you still can't see in the end it could be as something as simple as like when they inject the molds for these pieces i don't know how many pieces fit in the mold but let's say it's 64 just because we're both minecrafters and that's going to make sense right <laughs> but yeah it, if you can use 64 of them but not 65 because 65 means like you have to spill over into a whole other mold mold right right so like that's why there's going to be some blue pieces perhaps that are inside the vespa versus some green pieces and beige pieces for me it looked like it was if you're putting together a mass of gray pieces that are all the same color and they all end up being inside the vespa it makes sense to make it different colors because then you can see what's going on it's like when i do the Star Wars ships, when I do my own Lego streams and they have like brightly colored Technic pieces, they serve two functions. One, they have special connections and they allow things to pivot or, you know, attach things at a specific angle or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's red because then you can see it, you know, inside of the yeah. black ship or the, or the gray, you know, I think the one that had the most Technic pieces was my Imperial shuttle because the wings fold up in that Y formation, you know, and inside the wings there was all these little ratchety parts and they're all kinds of different colors but you get you cover them up with the pla the white plates of the of the ship right right but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's well, terribly fun sense. to do i'm glad you're enjoying it it's it's really cool yeah. to see and it's a really chill experience so there, there are a couple of things that you know as a graphic designer throw me off in the instructions mm -hmm. like there there are times where it'll you know step 137 get this piece and Nope, it's just get that piece. Okay, what is it attached to? Oh, nothing in this step. I just place it on the table. So a single step is grab that piece and have it ready for the next step. Or you'll go to another step and they will get six pieces and they'll and they'll not all snap in the same area, but they'll like snap into six different pieces onto a larger thing. So it's like, you know, the, the consistency between the number of pieces added in, in each step seems off. And they also have, um, they've got their stickers on a sheet numbered but the numbers don't correspond to the order that they tell you to put them on which i found super bizarre like the first one they had asked me to put on i think was number six and then i had to go grab number four or like i forget the order but it was it was not chronological at all which was which is odd and then and then the only other complaint that i'll say is like because it's um it's a vest but it's sort of it's centered and so it's like I guess it's sort of centered on the even, but there are still certain parts of it that are like five wide and seven wide. So it's got to be a combination of pieces because they don't really make five long or five or seven long in order to stretch across a certain area. But they'll, it's for to go across five of them, they'll actually use a four stud plate. So a one by four flat 
piece and then a one by one flat piece to go along five, which seems less, less structurally sound to me. And I wish they would use like a three and a two or something like that. But it right. only happened a couple of times so far. But it just it strikes me as odd because I always find that the single pieces like the the yeah the one by ones, they'll rotate sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of see that they're slightly off. So I spend this, you know, annoying amount of time sort of trying to rotate it so that it's flat. And if they had to use a two by two and a th- or a one by two and a one by three, then they would have snapped properly. So it wouldn't have I wouldn't have had any kind of rotating to have to do. Many beefs, but overall, it's an incredibly enjoyable experience. I find I I fuss around with the little tiny pieces, especially on the final details on the exterior of something like the Y wing that had like a lot of little mm. like vents and grates and buttons and things on it. And I find that I'll fuss around with those if they go on, not quite facing the right way, which is hard when you're an adult and you have adult sized yeah. hands. <laughs> <It's kinda> like, <laughs> when I, yeah. when I go, when I touch this thing, it completely disappears along with three other things around it that I'm trying to line it up with. So it's just kind of like trial and error of like, <laughs> move a little bit. Nope. That was too far. Move it back. Nope. That was too far the other way. <laughs> it's like, come on, you know? Yeah. I, I do find that that tricky as well. Uh, I'm it, watching you made me look forward to my own Lego stream that I'm planning later this month. Fingers crossed. I have the mm-hmm. kit picked out, but since it is not in stock currently and not on its way to me, I, I won't say I was streaming earlier today uh, from Minecraft and I, I was teasing it, but I didn't want to say until I'm a little bit closer <laughs> to to because then I don't want to promise a date and then have the shipment not arrive in time, you know? Yeah. So, exactly. um, but my birthday yeah, is at like right. the very end of the month. So that's probably when I'm going to do it that nice. weekend. So last week, yeah, fingers April, crossed so. it arrives and that'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, as long as it gets back in stock within the next couple of weeks, cause I mean, it won't, what's the sixth now. So like, yeah, as long as it's in stock within two weeks, most of the time, I don't know if you found this, but any website, even if it's a big website like Lego, uh, or, or other retailers, if they have a .ca then I can get it usually within about seven to 10 days. Uh, Amazon's even faster. Amazon's mm-hmm. even faster. Um, yeah, for sure. Be- because I, I ordered uh, an upgrade. I was talking about this with Alistair last week. I just, I bought it nearly immediately after the podcast last week, the Elgato Stream Deck uh, Mark II. And I was kicking myself when I went to go buy it uh, because I was thinking, you know, it's nearly the end of April or in the end of March, I'll wait and I'll put this in my April budget. Well, the sale ended on the 31st of March, which they don't tell you. Mm-hmm. So I missed out on like, it was only 10% off, but still it's 20 bucks. Still. <laughs> I was like, well, that yeah. would have been nice. Um, Cause for a while there, the Mark two of the stream deck was the same price as the Mark one. And there's not a lot of differences that will kind of like make me kind of jump to the Mark two. Uh, it's a, it's got a, a couple of different options for um, elevation uh, less options than the Mark one, but it has a detachable USB C to USB cable. So you can put whatever length of cable you need on it. Uh, you right. can, um, I think it had, has face plates that you can replace. Not that I really care about that. Cause I like the black. Um, but there's a bunch of, there's a couple of other things uh, as well. Um, but it arrived today. Uh, about 20 minutes before my stream. So I did not have any time <laughs> to to do anything other than unbox it, which by the way, Amazon had the, gave me the option of like the package that this arrives in identifies what it is. Would you like to have it arrive in Amazon packaging? And I thought, I don't need to huh. waste another box. I can just, if it's got, if it's in its own box then that's fine. Um, well, <laughs> so all the shipping tags and everything are fixed to 
the Elgato box. So the only branding on the box uh, that's visible is the back, which is like, I don't care, but it's a nice box. Like Elgato does a pretty good presentation. Like it's, it's like opening an Apple product, you know, which you and I right. are familiar with. And, yeah. and so it was a cool experience unboxing it with the exception of that, like my, the invoice sticker, my address sticker, and like, it is completely covered in stickers to the point where I thought like, if I ever get a photograph of the original box, I could maybe print one out and tape it over it <laughs> uh, if I ever sold it. But not that I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm going to like it, but anyway, it, um, the first thing that happened when I took off the box, it slides right up and I went, what? Did I order the wrong one? Cause it is small. And I chalk it up to huh. me. Just, I didn't look at the actual specs on the website. Uh, it says very clearly it is four and a half inches long, three and a half inches tall and about an inch in depth. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay. That's right. Like that's what I ordered. Uh, so the, the LCD keys on this are roughly the same size as a key on a keyboard, like on a computer, um, uh, windows, like gaming keyboard. I thought they were a lot larger. I thought they were closer to the size of a quarter. Uh, and that's that from looking at like images of them next to keyboards and next to people. And I, I don't know if there's just like bad Photoshop happening. Um, any close up of the device, of course, you don't have anything to associate it with because it's just a close up no. and, it, and it's like a digital mock up, right? And it's so always presented huge on the website. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very, it's very, large um but anyway i guess having just not seen them on anybody else's desks to compare i sent you a couple of photographs uh earlier photographs pictures with my phone i sent you a couple of pics yeah. earlier next to like an xbox controller and then next to my keyboard so you have a decent idea of what it, it looks like i'll actually right. if i yeah. have a chance maybe i'll include these in our show notes but yeah it and i'm not saying it's bad because i i haven't had any time to play with it i've plugged it in it turns on um, I've had to use the USB throughput on my keyboard because I only have four USB two ports on my motherboard, which is weird. I really feel like a computer, a modern computer should have more, but, um, I will be looking at that the next time I upgrade my motherboard to, or get a new computer. I'll be looking at having extra USB ports, um, because yeah. my keyboard takes two, uh, my mic takes one and my mouse takes one and that's the four taken care of. Um, however, like I said, the keyboard has a USB throughput. I've tried it before with my mouse thinking, oh, this is convenient. I'll just plug my mouse into my keyboard, except for none of the mouse functions with Razer work with the throughput. So fingers crossed really? that the Elgato software and things work with the throughput. <laughs> if it doesn't, I'm going to have to figure out something else. Um, Man, I might have to plug my mic into my keyboard. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. Um, I mean, it could be something as simple as um, I have a USB-C port on the back of my computer. So maybe I just have to buy another cable, but like, I don't want to do that either. So we'll see. Um, the good news is again, like I said, it's got a detachable USB-C cable, so right. I can put whatever cable I want on it. Uh, but it lights up great. I, you know, the LCD screens are bright. I had to turn them down to about 40% for it to be not like blinding. Um, so that's good. If you're in a, like a, I'm thinking like if you're in a sunny room or if you've got a bright office or something and you need to be able to be seen. Right. So um, but you had mentioned when I sent you the size of it that, you know, that might actually be a plus because you don't want to take up too much desk, desk space. Cause you might be looking at upgrading your stream setup as well. Yeah. When I, when I was, I was like you, I assumed it was going to be larger than that. And I just did not want to have something that was going to be like the size of an iPad mini 
there all the time because I, you know, I, I, I work on the same computer that I stream from. So I do, I don't want to necessarily have to unplug and replug or move something on to like, I, I just didn't want the inconvenience of having to deal with something large there all the time. But if that's, if that's the size of it and, um, uh, one of people in our community, McScrewgun, he said his wife uses it as a graphic designer. So she's got a lot of macros and things programmed into it. So from what I know, she doesn't stream. She just uses it purely to help her with the graphic design work. And that's what I do. So I'm like, all right, this, <laughs> if, if that's a benefit to somebody who doesn't stream and they love it, then if it's a permanent fixture on my desk at that point, I may not care. Um, but I love the fact that when I don't need it, it's going to be this small thing that I can just sort of slide to the back of the desk and it won't, you know, it won't be eating up a full six inches of depth on my desk. I think that'll be fantastic. Oh yeah. No, like if you, if you put your phone sideways on like one of those little tripod stands or something, it would be the same size. Yeah. Like th- oh, that's all that's going to take up. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a fat sticky notepad, really. Um, uh, that's what <laughs> Alistair does with his. He mentioned it on the last episode that he uses his when he's editing his, uh, long range censures podcast. He uses um hotkeys instead of trying to remember what hockey does what in the software on his mac keyboard he just uses like cut paste you know um ripple delete you know like all those the standard things you use when you're editing a lot of audio um and and he uses the stream deck for that um and he's just got the mark one he's got the same 15 keys and i mean 15 keys is plenty because you can apparently put like folders like you can hit one key and it then changes all of the keys to like oh you want to be in this profile like switch to your you know if you're playing different games if you're in photoshop versus uh what do you use you use indesign probably illustrator like you could probably switch it to bit depending on what program you might even be able to get it to switch automatically depending on what program is is currently focused like front front and center on the screen yeah, I believe you can. I, I, I'm pretty sure you can based on what Alistair told me in the past. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 one of the, one of the things I have on my toys to purchase list. Um, I'm, I'm a little ways away from that, but I, I'm really curious to know how you like it. I I'm embarrassed to say that I bought it kind of without knowing much more about them, other than just a couple of key comments from from friends, like. I think I mentioned last week that pixel revs who I do the spawn chunks with, he uses Mm -hmm. his like one button to then like open up all the apps that he needs to stream. Like it just starts, it opens up Minecraft. It opens up Streamlabs, It puts them on the right monitors. Like that kind of stuff is cool. Um, I'm thinking it would be great if um, a lot of the times I want to try to do like macros for Minecraft for like AFK. Like if you have to use swing your sword every three seconds at a farm or something like that. I think that could be really cool. Oh, yeah. Could be really useful for stuff like that. So there's all kinds of things. I'm going to have to learn some new skills for it, which I think is good because I've been wanting to get into more programming. I've been wanting to be able to do more with the stream. Like I want to have like animated transitions and I want to have a little bit more fun and interactive stuff on stream. And so I'm looking forward to to that. Actually, in part, like inspired by your setup for your Lego stream, which was different mm-hmm. than your normal Minecraft stream. Yeah, and that's something that I really had fun playing with uh, in the last little while. So, um, and it's uh, yeah, and our conversation after that is what me got me thinking more seriously about the Stream Deck because I, I essentially had to use my iPad. Well, I used my iPad to have a PDF of the instructions for the Le- the Lego up, so I could see that all the time, and that was connected to my Mac, so that it, you know, that PDF was showing in a tiny corner on my screen and I was using it to pinch and zoom on the different parts and the different steps. So people, even though the the rectangle was small, you could pinch and zoom on it and see on it. Um, 
and then I was using my phone as the camera because I don't have a dedicated dedicated camera. And and I want to get in. I, w- I was going to use the the Stream Deck iOS app for the first little bit to test it to see if I would then want to drop, you know, the coin on the and you know a more expensive piece of hardware. But then I was like, all right, well now I can't. If I'm using my phone for the camera, my iPad for the instructions, I just. I was suddenly without a means to control a lot of stuff. I was still happy to do it, and I and I really liked the way the setup looked during the stream, but it left me feeling like I was missing a tool that would allow me to take care of some tasks that I would normally use my iPad for. Like, I would have Streamlabs up in my iPad and just kind of mute and switch between transitions and things like that, but I just I didn't have easy access to that, which was a drag. I'm like you. Like, I don't want to give up easy access on the iPad, but... If I can get used to the stream deck and the buttons are clear enough, then I should be good. Like I don't see it being a problem. Um, yeah. But I I have less going on. I don't have a camera when I stream yet. Uh, I've thought about it. Yeah. I've thought about I thought about investing in a better camera for the Lego streams. Uh, and I don't want to buy a webcam because webcams are they're really only good for the one thing. And right now, because of how popular they've become with the last two years of the pandemic, they're overpriced for what you get. Whereas you can spend a little bit more and maybe get like a a used GoPro or something that's going to have better depth of field. It's going to have better focus control. It's going to have all kinds of different stuff. And, and then if you do decide to use that as a, a webcam for like your face for streaming later on, then you could you could switch it around and just, you know, cause, cause a webcam in the corner of your 1080p stream, it's only like 320 or what, like it's not very big, you know, right. so you don't need a super awesome camera <laughs> for your shot, quote unquote. Cause like the thing that I have a problem with, uh, with webcams on the stream, which I understand the psychology behind it. Like I know that it draws people in because they can see a face and they all identify with you more as a streamer. But yeah. I don't do just sitting and chatting streams where like I'm full screen. I don't do like, you know, video podcasts and one podcasting i find is just that nice thing you can sit down and do without having to like get ready you know it's like going to the grocery store i don't care (laughs) you know i will go in track (laughs) pants and a hoodie at zero shits given uh and that's what i like about podcasting is that i'm i'm present and i'm here and i'm prepared but i'm wearing a t-shirt and gym shorts you know like and i you know and i haven't shaved and like i don't care it's all about expectations, though, because <laughs> my profile picture that I use for a lot of stuff has some funny, messy hair. And it was it was literally me when I woke up one morning and went, holy smokes, that's awesome. And I just took a picture of it and I liked the look of it. So I've been <laughs> using it as my profile picture. And the first dream I did for the Vespa one, I just, you know, it was after work. And I just happened to have my hair sort of parted on the side and tame, like, you know, uninteresting, but just like my normal haircut. And then people were going, what's up with your hair? We were expecting it to be, you know, cra- crazy and all over the place. So I basically said, fine, Sunday morning for Sunday morning stream, I'm waking up. And however my pillow deemed my hair is supposed to be, that's what you're going to get. And then it looked a little bit more like my profile picture. So people were, people preferred it. So, I mean, I, um, so I set the bar really low with bedhead. So if I can just <laughs> keep that going from my on camera presence going forward then then apparently i'm doing all right it's gonna be really awkward when you're super successful and you end up going to some convention and then you show up and people are going to expecting you to have like you know the 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 bed fro you know just like yeah the 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 messy styled look or some nonsense that i can never (laughs) 
can never wrap my head around. I'll just have to make sure I go for a nap before every time I... <laughs> there you go. Yeah, bring a go pillow to, public, to the yeah. con with you, right? In between in exactly. between um, appearances, just like rub your head on the pillow for static and just like, you know, walk around like that. It's it's <laughs> au natural, no product. It's all it's all science. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> science. The science of hair. Uh, before we get into anything that we've been watching for the main discussion, what's new? Like, have you had anything else going on in the last last month or so since you've been on the show? More, more catching up on TV shows still, like making our way through Game of Thrones still. We're almost done season six and uh, we finished off all of the Spider-Man movies or Spider-Man movies. Um, not um, not the latest one that just came out of theaters because that's available to rent next week. And we're really excited about it. But just I've seen some some things on the Internet that may lead me to believe that. And I don't want to know for sure if you know that sort of lead me to believe that the old Spider-Man actors are going to appear in the new one because it's like a, a multiverse. So I wanted to make sure that I was all cut up on the previous ones because I had never seen the Tobey Maguire ones before. I just saw the... Sorry, I saw the Tobey Maguire ones, but I didn't see the Andrew Garfield ones, which is a shame because I really liked those ones quite a bit more than the Tobey Maguire ones. I thought they were well done. I like I like uh, Andrew Garfield. I think he's a better Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire and um, yeah. different directors too. I'm not a Sam Raimi fan. Um, I mean, the Spider-Man movies from Sam Raimi were what we had at the time, right? Like they yeah. were the best Superman movie or not Superman. They were the best superhero movie we had in a long time, right? Yeah, I remember really enjoying them. Previous to that was uh, probably like not the Keaton Batman, but like the Kilmer, Clooney, yeah. Schwarzenegger, Batman, like no. Sorry, more cartoony <laughs> ones. Yeah, they they weren't the they weren't the best. Um, not no. that Spider-Man three is any good either, but, but I like, I like Garfield. I did find that the second one, the amazing Spider-Man two, well, it got you off to the races, which is great. The problem I had with it was just, it suffered from too many villains and it went far too long. I found it a very long, long, uh, movie, but still good. It was yeah, just maybe. like, okay, this is. I don't know. I might look at it different, you know, like when you look at, you know, like what am I saying long when I've watched Endgame, right? You yeah. know, like it's, it's comparative, you know, because back then it was long, but like right now it's probably like par for the course for, for 2022. Yeah. And looking back at it, I mean, we, we've watched it just in the past two weeks, basically. Oh, wow. And compare, and like you said, comparing it to sort of the way Marvel movies are now, there are kind of multiple, multiple villains. There are a lot of overlapping storylines going on in the movies these days. So it, it feels fairly on par to the way Marvel movies are being done now. Maybe it just seemed too busy at the time because it wasn't what we were used to. But I mean, when you look at the Tobey Maguire ones, especially the first one, they had scenes where like Mary Jane would ask Peter Parker a question and the camera would be on him for like an excruciating 15 to 20 seconds of him just looking at her and then going, Yeah. And that's it. That's like the only word or only line they gave him within like a 15 second window. And it's just, it's so painful compared to what I'm used to now with the Marvel movies that the Andrew Garfield ones felt far more like what I'm used to now, I guess. So, yeah, he's a little bit more fast talking. He, 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 yeah, he rambles his way out of stuff, you know, which, which is similar to, um, Tom Holland, same idea. Yeah. Why is cracking? He's always talking, right? He's always monologuing. Yeah. But I like his uh, his sort of shtick or like his uh, smart aleck nature as Spider-Man. He's way more, uh, Andrew Garfield was way more confident as Peter Parker, sorry, as Spider-Man 
Mm-hmm. Like you'd be just kind of like these little quips and things like that. And, and, uh, watching the Tom Holland ones again, he's still trying to, you know, he's trying to look cool leaning against a car while he's, he's talking to, trying to, trying to interrogate somebody. So you, like, he's just really trying to figure out how to be cool. And Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was kind of already cool. Like he, It was like he had an, an entirely different layer of confidence as Spider-Man where, um, Tom Holland's awkward as Peter Parker and awkward as Spider-Man for the first little while. So either way. Yeah. Enjoyed younger, them all. Younger as well, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I, en- I enjoyed them. It was really great to go through them all and see them, all the differences. And, and now it's like still fresh in like my whole family's mind. So when, you know, April 12th, when that's available to rent, it's coming on our television and we're going Why to Why is it, it available to rent? <laughs> like, should I not be able to get that on Disney Plus? Or should I not be able to watch that wherever the other Spider-Man movies are? No, because it's Sony, unfortunately. So it's <sighs> not going right to Disney+. Plus. Um, it's It's got a... I, th- I think other than being able to rent it or buy it, I, for, I think it's stars, like stars with a Z. So not star, as in what you can get on Disney Plus in Canada. No, that's on st- Amazon. Yeah, stars is on it. It's, an extra, it's like an extra layer to your Prime subscription. You have to add... Yeah. It's like adding cable channels. Like I, I really dislike that the streaming services are quickly becoming the just pay for an extra channel for an extra $5 a month, the cable services that we all ran from yep. to the streaming services. And now they're just doing the exact same model and it drives me crazy. Especially with the whole differences between like Canada and the US and like, oh, I mean, I get, I get that the Sony Disney Marvel thing, like that makes Spider-Man complicated regardless. Like I get, yeah. I get it. You know, it's, it's like, um, like Netflix has got Star Trek everywhere else in the world, except for the UK and Canada or something. I can't remember how it goes, but like <laughs> it, it's different now with Paramount Plus. Alistair would be screaming at his earphones listening to this but like it's different now that paramount plus is a thing but before that was a thing there was it was netflix was like international distribution for star trek but then domestically it was different it had to go through sci-fi or crave or hbo Mm. or something right so yeah it's just it's um it's frustrating when that kind of stuff all falls into it because we're not quite at that level where it's all you know universally distributed across different countries and stuff where usually it would be like you know the governing country would be the one deciding what gets let in or not not that it was a licensing deal it would be more of like you know china saying no you can't watch that show here because we don't want you to versus you know saying well no you can watch it in in china or you can watch it in canada it's just that you know hbo has this unprecedented exclusive deal with bell like well why yeah <laughs> like what because like, you've it, got to buy the 30 dollar a month tier just to exactly be able to see it. exactly like i i <sighs> will not get off the horse of how expensive and shitty crave is 20 dollars a month 22 dollars <laughs> a month uh when you get taxes in there and most stuff is 1080p and the stream quality is shite whereas on apple tv plus which i have a three-month free trial on uh, mm-hmm. they stream their stuff in 4k and both my Xbox app does HDR and my television actually decodes it in Dolby. So I'm just like, sweet. Okay. This is going to yeah. at least look good and not stutter, which was, you know, par for the course. So, um, that experience has been much better. And I don't know because I didn't check cause I didn't pay for it. Obviously it's a three month trial, but Apple TV is like Disney plus prices, right? Like it's 10, $14 a month like it's not in the 20 dollar range right apple tv plus is like five or six bucks a month okay so it's even cheaper better 
That's fine. Yeah. Because it doesn't have a huge catalog. No, it doesn't, which, you know, which I understand. They're just sort of, they're they're starting out compared to everyone else. So I'm I'm glad it's, you know, it's that price. Um, Yeah. And it's it's even less expensive if you bundle it in with their other services, which is what we did. Right. I mean, I've had Apple computers and stuff for the longest time. So I'm admittedly all in on the ecosystem. So to save a few bucks by bundling, it was Oh, no. And with a family, that makes sense, right? Because you've got boys that are into music, you know, you and your your partner work, listen to music, like all that kind of stuff. Like that makes total sense. Even for me, like Apple Music plus Apple TV would not break the bank. Like that's not something that I would would worry about. Um, I I think Apple TV plus Apple Music would only be a little bit more expensive than Spotify. And Spotify is just music. There's no TV with that. So, you know. Well, I haven't gotten in the weeds. I've, I'm new to Apple Music. I'm not a big music guy myself, so we'll see if I keep that one because I've got that for six months. But the TV Plus, not a big catalog, but looks like a quality catalog, uh, which leads me into the first show that I want to talk about briefly um, before we get into uh, the main, main topic. But um, I've been watching Foundation and I've only seen the first two episodes. Right. I did look it up to see where I left off. I know you've watched the whole thing, so I'm yeah, going to keep this show. spoiler free. Um with the exception of maybe one point at the end of episode two. So just listeners be aware of that if you haven't watched. But uh, based on the book series by uh, Isaac Asimov, or at least loosely based on the book series, um, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. But what I love about the show so far is that it's a sci-fi show that you have to watch. You can't be on your phone. You can't Mm -hmm. be doing anything else. Like you have to see visually what's happening. Well, one, you don't want to miss anything. It's a beautifully shot show. Like it's seamless it really really looks fantastic um and imaginative and like it doesn't it looks like some sci-fi you've seen before but other things you're like wow that's cool like the space elevator that goes down to the planet that takes 14 hours like that was nuts so there's all kinds of really cool stuff going on i like their their equivalent of uh that ships the the engines in the ships the you know the equivalent of going uh warp speed in in star trek the way that the the engines that they've got in those ships look very very cool Oh, yes. Yeah. The way that they're almost like gyroscopes, like they kind of. Yeah. Almost like a black hole gyroscope thing. Yeah. It's like they generate some sort of gravity field and fold space. Like it's, it's, it's very, very cool. And it looks very high tech. Like you have no idea at what point in the future or the past, like it just, there's, it's all over the place. So that's what mm-hmm. I mean by like, I, you have to pay attention to it. So I'm liking it in that way that it doesn't smack you over the face with it. It's not like arrow where they're telling you that the villain is the bad guy and we have to stop him like 15 times in a 45 <laughs> minute show. Right. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. And the characters are layered. Uh, it's not exactly a feel good show, <laughs> at least no. not so far. Um, and that's a weird juxtaposition against the beautiful visuals. Right. So you're like, oh, I really want to watch this. This looks amazing. I feel really bad for that character <laughs> or yeah. like that character is like making my skin crawl. So, uh, Lee Pace does an excellent job as brother day, uh, who is, the emperor or the empire they call him all kinds of different things he's the boss applesauce exactly and and he's awful (laughs) like he's if if he is a human being i think he's a clone but if he's a human being he's like a horrible human being (laughs) like murderous and like genocidal just, just awful um all in the name of like order so like it's it's glorified you know nazism like it's just it's not it's, it doesn't leave you with the warm and fuzzies, um, but he's a presence, and yeah, 
I I think I was maybe reminded of how tall he is, but but in this you really notice that he's a tall dude. And I looked it up; he's six five. Jeez, I didn't realize he was that tall. Yeah, that, that's I mean, like most actors are like five ten. Like Henry Cavill's six one. That's my height, and I'm tall, but I'm not like super tall. I would consider six five very tall. Like that's the kind of yeah. like you're ducking when you're going through some door frames, especially around Halifax. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like that. That's. Uh, interesting because you don't, again you don't normally see that and but his presence and his acting just kind of made me feel like wow like he is really imposing and so i looked it up and yeah he's he's super tall um but also super creepy so like but in a yeah. in a good way because that's what he's supposed to be so like hats off to to lee pace yeah he, he's nailing that role for sure uh and then of course uh lou lubell's um acting is fantastic uh she plays gail dornick the main character that you're following through the at least the first two episodes uh and she's a gifted young mathematician from the rest I can mm-hmm. muster um, yeah. used to be religious, but as now a scientist, that kind of thing. Um, and she does phenomenal uh, in the role. The only thing that again is awkward for me is well, one she's betrayed. Like she's constantly being led astray by the main characters of Harry Selden. And I think his name is Hugo. I can't remember the dude's name. He plays Selden's oh, adoptive son. Anyway, neither one of them seem to be super nice people. They're super smart, but they're very manipulative, at least so far. And so she's being manipulated. So you feel bad for her. And then she's betrayed at the end of episode two. And this is the small spoiler. So warning folks, but Harry Selden, as far as I know, is stabbed and, and murdered. He dies. And that's her mentor slash who brought her on this journey in the first place. That's why she's here. Uh, and he's killed by his son or adopted son, Hugo, who is her lover, I guess, or at least romantic interest. So he betrays yeah. both of them. And you sort of see it coming in, in like a, oh, there's some bad blood there. Like Hugo and, and, and Selden don't get along very well, but like you don't expect him to be stabbed in the next scene. And all of that is layered on top of what I find to be a really awkward romantic relationship where Hugo, I hope I'm getting the character name right, is much older than, than Gail. And I don't know how old Gail is supposed to be. My guess, the way that they say is that she's some gifted youngster. So like, I'm assuming like high school age, right? So Mm. the fact that this 30 something dude is, is kissing and making out with this really young woman despite the fact that she's intellectually very mature it's just skeezy to me like it whole all of it just makes me feel awkward and that goes with like the way that the camera follows her around like they're in space everyone's living together it's very intimate even with just between people and i just find that the camera gets like too close to her when she's Mm -hmm. like doing her own personal stuff like maybe she's just getting changed i'm just like i don't need to see the teenager getting changed by herself like there's no need and so it it feels strange i'm sure that it's it might be that she's supposed to be older but i the the feeling i get was that she was very young and i found that it kind of encompasses what the whole show is feeling like for me it's a good show i like it i'm going to keep going but it's got this weird mix of awkward and betrayal happening at the same time and and so i'm just like it's interesting but it's just like it's icky you know icky Mm. in a social commentary way i guess i guess for me i didn't i didn't really pick up on the um the kind of uneasy vibes um for for me in the first two episodes i was just 
again, I guess slightly spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. The first episode is sort of um, Gale coming to um, the main planet where the Empire, um, the Emperor slash Empire is, and she meets the uh, the great mathematician there. And then the second episode, and they're sort of by by the end of the first episode, they are banished to this distant planet. Yeah. And then the second episode. They are on the ship on their way there, and clearly enough time has passed that the relationship is already in full bloom. Like they've clearly been dating or whatever for a while at that point, which sort of mm-hmm. I didn't. Ex- it, it threw me off. Like it's there's just time. J- yeah, it left me feeling not quite sure how I felt about the show at the end of the second episode. But then in the third episode, it starts to go. Okay, I see what's going on, and then and then from there, just I felt like it kept getting better, and by the end of it, it was still good, and it still makes me want to see more of it, which is, which is I guess all you can ask for. But it was, um, I, I guess I didn't really pick up on the uneasy feeling. But now that you mention it, um, I, I, maybe it's because the guy is just so tall, um, and she's, I guess by comparison, just not. So she, he looks significantly older, maybe just because of his height. She's a small person. Um, Lou yeah. Lubell uh, is um, is a is a short actor. <laughs> like she's not, yeah. she's not she's not a big individual. Yeah, she's five three. They talk about time passing. They say they talk about like the fact that when they're banished, they don't have a sublight drive. They have to or they have to go. No, they they have no light speed or no super drive. Whatever the hell they call it. But we have to right. go sublight speed, which means the journey to this planet that they're going to is going to take like, I can't remember what it was, 580 days or so, it was basically like a year and a bit. So it was enough time for, as you say, a relationship to form, but not enough time for her to not be a teenager, <laughs> you know, yeah, and if she enough. isn't, it's by a thread, you know, and that, that <laughs> felt strange to me, but, and I think it is because she is a petite individual on top of being just short. She's also just tiny all around. So she doesn't look like she's 25 or 35 or anything like that. You know, it just, yeah. it's a, it's a strange kind of way that they, they, I guess, portray it, but I don't know. Either way, I'm on board. It's a beautifully shot show. It's got some really interesting vibes. I, I like that it's different from most of the sci-fi that we've seen lately. And I confess that like outside of Star Trek, most of the sci-fi I've seen lately has been like Marvel stuff. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see something that's a slower pace, a little bit more political, uh, has a lot of technology that they just don't bother to explain. Like they just kind of say, this is how this works and you just have to accept it. Or like you sort of understand how it works, but you're not really sure. And so that stuff I find cool because it, it does get into like heavy fiction. It's not so much science yeah. fantasy like Star Wars. It's more like science fiction. We're like, wow, this is really heady. Like it's really out there. So again, that's why yeah. I think you have to pay attention. And they do explain it more as the show goes on. And there's some neat like religions within the empire as well that they touch on as well and become part of the storyline in a significant way. So it's, it's really, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I didn't really know anything. I didn't know the story at all. Uh, had read some articles about it and people were complaining about the looks of the ships and things like that because they didn't look how they, they felt they should have, but apparently the books didn't really go into the detail on what these ships look like. So it was kind of left open to interpretation, but I I don't know. I, I thought everything was well done. It's, I'm looking forward to season two. Yeah, the art the art direction is solid. Like it's not it's not inconsistent or or off. Like for for where they are and the level of technology, I feel like 
it's pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. And the character we were looking for, his name's Raish, Raish Foss, the uh, the guy who plays, yeah, the boyfriend of oh uh, yes, yeah, boy okay. boyfriend of Gale, um, adopted son of Raish, yeah, the uh, the mathematician. Took me a while to find it. It was they didn't have it very obvious on IMDb there. So, Oops. Uh, so re- replace all the times I said Hugo with Raish. I'm sure people probably knew who I was talking about if they've seen the show. Yeah. Moon Knight premiered last mm-hmm. week. Uh, you and I have both seen episode one and episode two. So if you don't want those spoiled, then you are going to have to plug your earphones uh, and run around screaming because we're going to talk about it. And yeah. uh, I know that you were looking forward to it. You reminded me that it was coming. I knew it was coming, but I kind of didn't have it on my radar. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been pleasantly surprised. But I'm curious to know what you think because you are, I think, more recently steeped in in Marvel stuff than, than I am. Yeah, I, I'm newly steeped. Like, I'm a huge fan of basically the the MCU, and that's that's been my introduction to Marvel for the most part. Like I knew how a lot of these characters were, but I'm I'm generally excited when any new show or any movie comes out. I just I'm keen to go and watch it right away. So, um, I didn't know anything about this character, and I thought the trailer did a really good job of just sort of giving you a taste of what it's going to be about without really letting you know what was going to go on. Um, for me, the, I guess the synopsis of the show, again, spoiler alert, is basically when Stephen Grant, played by Oscar Isaac, a mild-mannered gift shop employee becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life, he discovers he has a dissociative identity disorder and shares a body with mercenary Mark Spector. So as Stephen and Mark's enemies converge upon them, they must navigate their complex identities while thrust into a deadly mystery among the powerful gods of Egypt. And like, for me... I'm so glad I didn't actually read that synopsis before watching it because I, I didn't I didn't know that he had a dissociative identity disorder. And so like when they when there's different voices and things and they sound different in the, the trailer and and they just kind of do these visual tricks and things like that. You're not sure whether it's a like an alternate reality kind of thing or whether it's a possession thing or, or, or what's going on. You, you know that it has to do with Egyptian gods, but um yeah, I did. I did. I'm glad I didn't. That I dis- I guess I was able to discover that through watching the show, and I thought that uh, I, Oscar Isaac uh, is just nailing the role. He's <laughs> he's quite good. Oh man, like he he really knocks it out of the park. The I was on board from the first episode. First episode yeah. of Oscar Isaac doing an incredibly believable British accent on top of talking to himself and mirrors. I mean, I'm sure they had different takes and editing and stuff like that, but like the fact that he's doing just his regular American speaking voice, you know, when he does Mark Spector and then he's doing this British thing. But then on top of that, it's more like Mark Spector is this confident mercenary and, and Steven, what's Steven's last name? Do you remember? Grant. Grant. So Grant is like mousy and weird and he's this real awkward like museum employee like he works in the yeah. gift shop you know um and then like there's all these layers that they get into that they throw at you in the first episode that for every moment that you're like this is interesting and a little bit strange and then he talks to some knockout that he has a dinner date with later that week and you're just like how the hell <laughs> did yeah. this dude get a date and and you, so you're like, I want to know how that's going to go. Like, I'm very curious about <laughs> how he, that even happened. And he doesn't even know how it happened. He, she just exactly. reminded him of the date and he's like, um, yeah, what, what do you mean? 
but like his his delivery of the British performance, it, it feels like it's right out of he's a character out of The Office or some other British yeah comedy show or whatever. Like he's got the nervous natter just down pat and like oh yeah, isn't it? Oh right on, and it's just like <laughs> it makes me chuckle because he's just again he's just nailing that role. It's it's very enjoyable to watch. Uh, he he's not adorable in any way, but he does remind me of Martin Freeman. In, in some of his roles, like in Love mm, Actually yes. or yes. even The Hobbit, like even as 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 um, Bilbo uh, has like a bit of that nervous energy, like that kind of like yeah. talking your way out of stuff. Um, but he definitely has that that nailed down. Um, I was not expecting so much action in the first episode. No. And when I thought about action in the show, you think, okay, I knew going into it that there was, you know, the 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 personality disorder. But okay. I didn't know any details of it. I just thought, okay, that's mm. interesting. A superhero whose secret identity has multiple personalities. That's going to be an interesting take. I've not seen that yeah. before. Um, but then when you realize that like in the first episode, almost all of the action is awkward Stephen Grant, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> either having his arm controlled by one of the personalities inside of him and he doesn't know what the hell's going on or He's driving a, a getaway van, and what I like <laughs> the the getaway cupcake, cupcake the getaway van. yeah the getaway ice cream <laughs> truck or whatever it was like it they did such a great job of mu- putting in just a little bit of humor here and there, and yeah. sometimes you have to be paying attention to like what he mutters under his breath. Sometimes it's really obvious, um, and other times it's just like the layered of like what's there's some like retro hip hop song playing on the cupcake van radio when he's driving down the mountain in like, oh, right. I'm not even sure where he is like Budapest or something. Like it's just, he's in the middle of like Eastern Europe somewhere. And it, what I find so interesting is that he escapes most of the bad guys by just being terrible at like driving, existing. He's afraid. Like he's just like awkwardly escaping mm-hmm. and then he gets in real trouble and they do this thing where like they do a close up of Oscar Isaac and he kind of shakes his head. And obviously Mark Spector takes over. But when yeah. that happens, they don't show you any of it. You're only getting the Stephen Grant perspective. And so when he comes to, there's a bunch of dead bodies and motorcycles wrecked all over the place. And he doesn't know what the hell happened, but yeah. he's alive and they're all dead. And we don't know either. And that kind of mystery really had me hooked for the first episode. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. They do give you a payoff. Like there is a glimpse of Moon Knight at the end of the first episode and there's a cool chase in the museum with some supernatural stuff. And like they pay off your patience, but uh, even more so in the second episode. But yeah. I, I kind of, I admire the pacing and I, it's because it, it feels slow from a question standpoint. Like whenever you get a question answered, you have three more. Right. So it keeps you hooked. But then there's a mountain chase in a cupcake van. So you're not bored. (laughs) Even though you're waiting to find out what's going on, like you're not, you're not at all bored. And some of the things are just uh, hilarious. Like some of the, there's a moment when he has to take a fish back or something. And you're just, you know, what's happened, you know, that something he's been away and the fish has died or something like that. And he's having to replace it. And he's looking at this fish, like why it has two fins instead of one. And he doesn't know what the hell's going on. And you're just kind of like, Oh, okay, I get it. But like, he doesn't, Uh, and I imagine it would be pretty fun to read that comic if they're, if you're, if you as the reader are giving all, getting all of the information, but then 
the characters in the comic don't so that you know what's going on but they don't it would be really interesting to kind of see them kind of puzzle it out i think um what did you think of ethan hawk as the villain or the personification of the villain i guess i didn't find him super menacing in the first one and it, and it didn't quite get um like what his his thing was like he's got this this cane it's got the uh, like two heads of a crocodile on it and he's got a tattoo of the scales with two crocodiles on it as well i, I think they're crocodiles anyway and and my wife knows a lot about that so she, she just you know, one of those things she like oh used to like to read for enjoyment's sake so she would say oh that's supposed to be this and this and like for the judgment i'm like okay sure but i, I had no idea so it, di- it didn't really and he seems fairly calm for the first little bit and didn't really strike me as menacing at all but i i find him more interesting now that i've seen the second episode um because again spoiler alert if you have not seen the second episode um but he was he was he was essentially the previous Stephen Grant like he was he used to be the one that changed into this Egyptian the Egyptian moon god Khonshu that that Stephen changes into now so I, I find that more interesting because now there's he he knows some background story to I guess who Stephen is when he changes into Khonshu that Stephen's not aware of so it's it's I'm not sure if the way I said it makes sense, but he's a, he doesn't come across as menacing yet. Like it's not like, I don't know how Steven's going to get away from this bad guy. It feels like now it's, it's almost like two storylines are going to run parallel while they both try to get to wherever this crypt is in order to head each other off kind of thing. So it's, but I don't know anything about it. So it's, it's got me intrigued, but it comes down to, how about you? What did you think of the Ethan Hawke character? Uh, same sort of thing like it's like well i get it like you I mean he's a good actor it's you know it's not bad mm-hmm. delivery i find the writing for the character is pretty standard um not menacing because he's just he's that he's that calm sociopath like that he's just always yeah. calm give me the scarab i'm not gonna ask you again even though he just killed somebody like two seconds ago like he's just got he's zero feeling to anything uh and the long hair i mean this is gonna be this is gonna date me but he reminds me of like the guy from kung fu the legend continues you know like he just he looks like he's got this weird 70s long gray haircut like it's it's real awkward um but i I think it was a like i really i was intrigued when you when in episode two he revealed that he also was previously the vessel of of conchu so i was like okay that that has me a little bit more interested in the relationship that conchu Mm -hmm. has with with Stephen Grant and Mark Spector, because it doesn't sound like it's a healthy relationship. No. Like, because the, the the idea with Conchu, uh, which is the god of is it the moon? I want to say it's the god M- of moon. moon god. Yeah, yeah. So and the, and it's like um, moon god, an outcast amongst the gods, uh, for waging one good war on perceived injustices. So if you do something bad. Conchu is going to come down and give you your justice and the right. way that Amit or Amit works I think I'm pronouncing that right I think um, it's Amit, yeah. she is the Egyptian god of death devourer of the dead and lived near the scales of justice in Duat the Egyptian underworld so 
she the whole thing there and this is where it's very cult-like is that she takes a look into your future and if you are going to do something evil she kills you before you do it so it's basically yeah. like um the precogs from that terrible tom cruise movie where they see the future and they pre-crime oh. all that stuff <laughs> what's it called i can't remember the name of it anyway um oh. it like it's so it basically it unfolds into like a conversation between Stephen Grant and um, Ethan Hawke's character. I'm blanking on the character's name right now. Um, Arthur Harrow. Uh, yeah. He, they're at some table sharing a bowl of lentil soup. Like there's this real, he get Harrow gets too familiar and that's where it starts to feel icky, uh, yeah. which is good. Like the, the villain is supposed to feel icky. Um, but they talk about, they get into that philosophical question of like, well, wait a minute would admit kill a kid if she looks into the future and sees that this innocent child who's five is going to kill someone when they're 30 and she just decides that it's best to kill them now and yeah. harrow compares the curse and the cure to be the same so like if you've got a diseased limb you cut off your limb to save your body from dying and it's gruesome and it's horrible but it's better than death um yeah. And so that's the justification. And it sounds, again, it sounds like genocide. Like it, it sounds familiar. So, um, and obviously it's, it's evil. And from all, we'll say Western kind of terms of consciousness, it's deplorable. Whereas Moon Knight is more, I mean, Moon Knight is murdering people. It's still bad, but he's, he's killing killers. It's kind of like, um, what's his face there? The, the, the psychopath that kills only other psychopaths. Oh, Dexter. Dexter. Right. So I've not watched the show. Can you tell? Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So like, so Moon Knight has that, like, he's a mercenary. He's not like a police officer or, you know, it's not Clark Kent. You know, uh, Mark no. Spector is is a mercenary for hire. So um, it, it has some darkness to it. And you find out, again, this adds layers to that relationship between Conchu and Mark Spector in that... Conchu came to Mark when he was about to die and said, you can die or I can possess your body and you can live, but you have to be my puppet. And yeah. it seems like it's only ever one more mission. You have to do one more thing for me and then you're free. And then this just kind of goes on and on and on because Conchu just lies. And it reminds me of like the, I mean, all the gods and goddesses in these myths and stories are all just like assholes. They're just awful. Yeah. Um, master manipulators yeah exactly between like the greek and the roman and like all that kind of stuff they all are just terrible people uh, or terrible gods i should say and what Konshu is holding over mark specter is his wife soon to be ex-wife is who Konshu is looking at as his next host and so mark will do basically anything to protect this woman he's divorcing her i think to protect her i, I think he loves her like i think that's a, a strong bond there because he's trying to always protect her throughout the entire second episode mm -hmm. and i think bringing in uh layla was great I, I enjoyed layla she's got layers there's a lot of history with mark specter we don't know anything about and the only glimpses yeah. you get are from her dialogue right because she's talking to steven the whole time and steven has got no recollection of her whatsoever <laughs> yeah <laughs> right uh and so, then yeah. and then just when they're trying to escape she just happens to be full-fledged badass as well and like <laughs> goes to town and helps them get out of there which is pretty 
pretty great as well. So yeah. she's got layers, which I think is pretty fantastic. Yeah, because well, you think, okay, well, how how does Mark Spector, a mercenary, know her? Well, maybe they were in the military together. Like maybe they've got these skills. Maybe she's a thief. Like I, we don't know. And I'm looking forward to to find out. I hope she's in more. There's only six episodes. Yeah. It's only it's only a mini series. It's not super long. Um, yeah, we're not. So it's yeah, as a mini series, we're not going to get a second season either. So no. The the big yeah. question I guess I have, which I'm looking, I'm really curious to find out is which one of them is actually the legit owner of that body. Is it Stephen Grant or is it Mark Spector? Because if, because Mark Spector has obviously been around long enough, looking like Stephen Grant long enough that Layla sees them as married and has no idea why he's talking, why, why uh, Mark is talking with a British accent. So like he, he's been, if it has been Stephen and Mark this whole time, you know, Mark was in control of Stephen's body or in control of the body long enough that he was able to kind of build a build a relationship, get married, become a mercenary, go to Egypt and do all kinds of stuff. And like we have Stephen as the main character, but I'm by the end of the second episode, it left me sort of feeling like he's not actually he's not actually the one who's supposed to be there. Like he was almost kind of created. Like I'm wondering if Mark Spector is the actual owner of the body and um, Stephen Grant sort of came out of his near death experience kind of thing. But so I don't know. I think you're right because I, I think from the comics, Mark Spector is ma- is mainly the alter ego and uh, Arthur Harrow makes that reference in a second episode where he says like, so is your mind broken because Conchu took over or were you an easy target because you were already broken? Mm. Right. And, and that alludes to a bunch of stuff. Like does Mark Spector have a dissociative identity disorder because of trauma or has he always had it? Uh, he right. said something along the lines of Steven always being there, but always in the background, like, a fly in the wall or nails in the chalkboard oh, or right. something along those lines. But now something's happened where Steven is able to like break through and take control. And, and now Mark is the one that's always trying to like take control. And that would be my only complaint about, about the series so far is that there's an awful lot of Mark in the mirror saying, Steven, let me take control. Steven, Steven, hello, Steven. Can you, Steven, listen to me, Steven. I'm just like, okay, I get it. Like, I, I understand what you're trying to do, but like saying his name over and over again and saying the same phrase over and over again. For me, it's a problem from a writing perspective because like you've got your message across, your audience is not stupid. So repeating yourself doesn't help. And especially when we know that's not what works. Like the only thing that mm-hmm. gets you into Steven's body, like the one that, the only thing that lets you take over is either imminent life and death or he lets you that's it it's 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 like a it's like a gut reaction and that's where i think that specter is the true owner of the body is because when it is life and death specter comes in despite steven's um resistance you know resistance yeah um but yeah i to i would be remiss if we didn't touch on the fact that the show the cinematography is phenomenal um, yeah. the way that they flip back and forth between Mark and Steven, they give you glimpses in the mirror, but obviously it's like special effects where they're like, Steven isn't moving, but then Mark Spector is, but it's a reflection. Like there's all kinds yeah. of really cool stuff like that. There's also a lot of really cool establishing shots and transition shots that are like straight out of comic books. 
like there's a shot in the second episode where they're looking straight down at a road and you're watching a car drive into an alleyway and like it's the kind of thing that you see in comic books because like they just it will one it's easier to draw that kind of stuff from above but it also gives you more of an establishing shot and it's it's something that you can do because you can put the camera anywhere in a comic book and then you flip to what i'm assuming is fan service for when he turns into moon knight and kicks some ass he gets some really cool action sequences in the second episode and then he's like doing um parkour and like jumping these superhuman jumps across alleyways and rooftops and like the moon is behind him and he's kind of like he might as well have a football with his hand out right like he's just doing these cool like (laughs) comic book poses and it's it's fantastic and um i had some reservations about the first episode with the shot of the costume how do you feel about the costume um i'm fine with it i like i said i didn't really know anything about this um at all and yeah, like for, for me, I think it looks like a pretty cool costume. It I'm looks not better sure what it's in supposed motion. to look like. Yeah. Pardon? I think it looks better in motion. Yeah. When they do the still shots of him standing when it's actually Oscar Isaac or or stunt double, whoever it is, in the in the suit, just standing there, he, he, there's too much around his head. His head looks too big. Um, mm. Because in the comics, of course, he's meant to be wrapped up like a mummy, which is going to be awkward and take forever on the set of a yeah. show. So... It looks like he's wrapped, but it's very clearly a mask that he puts on, like a Deadpool-esque type thing. Uh, and and I thought that it looks good from a distance and when he's running around, but when you're up close, his head looks too big for his shoulders. Like, it basically takes his width. It doesn't make him look like right. a superhero. It makes him look kind of, like, strange. Um, but they do enough magical stuff with the cape. There's a lot of CG going on with the cape, and I think it works overall. Um but but on close-ups, it really does look like a hockey mask. Like it, it's a little bit thick. Um, I liked. I thought the fight was too awkward, but I liked the look of the suit when we find <laughs> out that Stephen Grant can actually summon the powers yeah. of Konshu, and he's in a suit, but he's in like a shirt and tie <laughs> and a yeah, jacket, like, like a a white, like a, a cream white three or four piece suit with a vest and everything, and it looked pretty darn sharp. And they do the mask on that like Deadpool and that works better. Yeah. Cause then it looks like a hood. It doesn't look like a hockey mask and right. they animate okay. the eyes and they like, they do all kinds of really cool stuff. And, um, again, like you, you, you say, oh, it's a cool suit, but you don't for a minute think like it's just a guy in a suit. You're like, that's a cool look. And then you're right back into being lost with the fact that he's fighting an invisible jackal, you know, in the middle yeah. of, of, I thought downtown they did that London. well though. Like we were watching that and, and it looked like, Sometimes they have it like a looking fairly goofy looking, but it, it almost looked like they had a fight going on with somebody in a green, like a green screen suit and then just took them out because they would kind of bang them off the car or lift them up and slam them into the car. And it looked like it was actually, if not actually happening, looking like it was happening far better than anything else I've seen it in before. So I thought that was oh, pretty cool too. Yeah, I thought the effect was cool. I thought they maybe overdid the fact that we couldn't see it because i'm just like okay mm. i get it i can't see the bad guy or other people can't see the bad guy but i'd like to see the bad guy because it's a cool looking cg jackal and i would like to you know actually <laughs> you know uh, yeah. watch this fight uh, which you do get to see I, eventually yeah i think they could have probably done it a bit more but I, I did like i liked it because layla was getting in there and you know kind of getting the mix of the fight as well and she couldn't see it so she's just like swinging stuff or throwing glass and things like that so when she's in it and she's getting you know, beaten up because she can't see it. I thought it worked well, mm-hmm. but you're right though. When it, it, when, when Moon Knight was fighting the creature it would have made more sense to have 
have it visible more often. I uh, see it. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I thought the same thing. Um, yeah. The last thing that I'll lay out there, which uh, I haven't tried myself, but I did find out via TikTok, is that um, if you see a QR code on screen, you should pause it and you should scan it with your phone. Oh, because I might uh, just have to go do that. Yeah, the QR code that is on the wall of the museum in the first episode actually links to a copy of Werewolf by Night number 32, which is the first appearance of Moon Knight in Marvel oh, Comics. Cool. So you can go and read the comic. Uh, there is another okay. QR code outside of Mark Spencer's storage unit. I believe it's storage yeah. unit number 42. Uh, that's in the second episode. I saw that. I thought, okay, I'm spotting them now. So I'll have that's to go funny. back. But I watched it just before the show tonight. So I didn't have time to like look it up and see what it was. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I love the fact that they're doing that. It's just, it's a neat idea. And I would just, we see QR That's codes cool. all the time. I'm not someone that thinks to stop a film and say, I wonder what that actually goes to, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know why I just doesn't dawn on me to do it. But now that I know that Marvel is going to do stuff like that, it's like, well, geez, anytime I see a website, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if someone now I got to click on everything, <laughs> exactly. Well, like if somebody in a show, like can imagine in like, um, WandaVision show, if they're going to a website in that show and they type it in something, something, something.com, like from now on, if I see that in a Marvel show, I'm going to go type it into a browser yeah. and see if it's actually like, did Disney actually register the domain and put up a website? Cause if, because they probably did, you know, and yeah. that kind of stuff is just hilarious and fun. Um, but I think it's, it's a great idea because then for people that aren't familiar with Moon Knight and aren't familiar with the comics or don't read comics because they just haven't in years it's a free or, copy to digital copy to read you know oh it's a free copy i think so i th i, th oh, I think cool. i again I'm, I'm remembering a tiktok that went by like the other night so i could be i could be wrong about this but yeah um, well, it would be cool you know it would be cool if they made it free and then if you wanted to read the next issue you had to subscribe to oh probably yeah. Oh, I'm sure. and, and I'm not I mean, saying that because Disney I want to spend all. the money to have to read them all, <laughs> but yeah, like to get Marvel, to get into the Marvel comic subscription thing too, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, well, and actually I'd have to look this up. I'm pretty sure that one of the benefits of me having a subscription to something, I think it might be Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, but I've got like a free month of like Marvel comics or something Ooh, or, or cool. comiXology or like, there's a couple of things. They've fold this stuff in all the time. The trick is to remember to turn the free samples off which I didn't do this past month. Yep. I've had three free months of Discord Nitro, which just basically lets you use your emotes in other rooms and lets you upload larger photos and stuff like that. But it's $10 a month. It's not worth $10 yeah. a month at all. No. And I had three free months and it renewed on April 1st. And that was a weekend. So I wasn't thinking about my bookkeeping and stuff. And so they billed me for the $10. I canceled it immediately. So they got my, they got the $10 out of me for April. And then on May 1st, it cancels automatically. So there's that, but it's just like, I, they got me. <laughs> I was so yeah. mad. I know. Oh, I was so <laughs> mad. Overall, I'm really enjoying the show though. I guess I only have two complaints, I guess, sort of would be, um, Conchu's dialogue. Like for an ancient Egyptian god, he's fairly like, oh, the idiot's in charge again. Like it, the, it just doesn't seem like the delivery that I would expect from an ancient god. I like the voice. I think um, is F. Murray Abram is the actor. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think his him. voice, the, the presence of his voice is good. But I kind of wish, you know, wish he had an Egyptian accent <laughs> and didn't say things that were like 20, 20th century current kind of thing. I guess in one part you think that like that's almost what you expect, but it's the same way that like, why do all Greek and Roman gods in film have British accents? 
Yeah, I don't know. Right? Like, there's stuff like that that I find kind of strange. But the, the other thing, too, is that, like, it is a god that's been possessing people throughout history. So it's experienced all 2,000 years of language that, you know, yeah. up until current point. But I, I know what you mean. You think it would be at least have something unique where, like, he doesn't use contractions. You know, like, instead of saying yeah. can't, he would say cannot. You know, like, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Just a, a little Just... bit more regal sounding or at least condescending yes there's just yeah there's just something about it. It, it it was enough that it took me out of it i'm like oh why why is he talking like that i don't mm-hmm. <laughs> no please don't do that and, and the only other thing that took me out of it was when steven was supposed to go on that date with the woman from the museum and he's just oblivious to the fact that two days have gone by but he called her on a smartphone which has the date and time on the front of it which is automatically updated constantly by the satellite so it's like there's yeah. there's no way he wouldn't have known that two days hadn't gone by yeah i did find that i mean i i got the joke like or not the joke but i got the situation is that like you know he yeah. thought he was going to have a date and it's not even happening because of course he goes psycho and missing for two days and he has no idea where he's gone yeah fair enough it was at the pet store he realized the time was like oh crap i've got a date and he left and if he had just gone and only opened his phone long enough to see the clock on it, not necessarily look at the day. Yeah. Then I get then I guess I'll let it slide, but it it, it, it took me out of it a bit as well. Yeah, that was a little bit strange. I, I agree. I thought <laughs> it was funny that he's a vegan and they ordered a steak. And there's even a moment later uh in episode two before he really accepts all that's going on where he's he still thinks he's going crazy and he sits down and he puts his head in his hands. And he's like, I eat one steak and I lose my mind. Like, yeah. he's like, never again. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Well, that brings us into the Internet Minute, which is brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server, which is shared with my personal Discord, and access to the Barista Cut audio sessions. That's true of all patrons because we've passed the milestone goal. Big thanks to Smurf. 588, our bean counter patron this month. Patron count is at 27. You might note that is one more than last week, which is our goal. So if you'd like to be 28, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Well, speaking of sci-fi, I have a couple of very quick teaser trailers to throw out to the public. Uh, you've probably already seen these. Uh, Paramount Plus had their announcement day uh, the other day. I have Alistair to thank for sending these to me via text message. Uh, mm. Star Trek Picard has announced the cast for season three. Have you seen this? Did you have a chance to watch this? No. Before? Okay. It's basically, I haven't been able to watch any of it. So it's goosebump tingled territory, but essentially it's just <laughs> Picard writing something at a desk. And then the voices of several, in fact, almost all of the next generation cast are echoing in his head, you know, talking about, you know, it's mm. Jordy, it's, um, Riker, it's uh, Crusher, Data. Anyway, they've announced that like the command crew from Next Generation is all on board for season three of nice. Star Trek Picard. And it's it's just a whole nostalgia vibe. Uh, and it's, it's great. Uh, I'm sure that the collective Star Trek fans across the globe are losing their shit. Because <laughs> even <laughs> I was just like, goosebumps like i cannot nice. wait because that's the star trek that i grew up watching with my dad yeah um 
And speaking of Star Trek, the official trailer for Strange New Worlds is out. We talked about the teaser trailer, I think, a couple weeks ago here on the show. This is the full-on action-packed sequence. Kind of really gives you a full idea about what the show, the personalities of the command crew is going to be like. Um, Anson Mount, I think, is fantastic as Pike and uh, was on Discovery and will be in uh, Strange New Worlds. He's excited. His Twitter is just kind of like pinch my 12 year old self. Like this is nuts. I can't believe this is coming out on May 4th or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 5th. And uh, I am jealous of the man's chair on the Enterprise. And I'm jealous of the man's hair talking about <laughs> um, the just woke up look. You might want to take a look for future webcam right. situations, but hair uh, inspiration. Yeah. And the thing that I like so much about this is that it is a very colorful Star Trek. Like if you look at the original series and how bright the uniforms were and how bright the bridge was on the Enterprise, it's like mm. that. It's it's there's nice. red and chrome and blue and then of course there's the primary colors of all the uniforms and like it's it's sharp. Uh I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be probably funnier than most people are anticipating, but I think it's going to be like firefly funny. Like Hmm. uh like shoot from the hip funny kind of stuff because that's the kind of captain that pike seems to be and so i'm on board so i hope people check it out we will have all the links in the show notes for the episode and uh i i'm sure i'll be covering um well we'll continue to cover picard but we'll be covering uh strange new worlds when it premieres on on the citadel cafe what is your pick this week sir well in the last couple of weeks i've been thinking about just Mac utilities that I use all the time and save me tons of time just on simple repeated repetitive tasks and and I guess one of the ones that I just figured it was worth mentioning because I love it it's called Dropshelf um it's by a company called Pilot Moon and you know as per usual the link will be in the show notes but it's a drag and drop utility so like it's it's a tough thing to explain but sometimes when I know that I'm going to send somebody four different PDFs for my job. I have to do that sometimes just on design standards, but they're all in different sections because the design standards relate to different projects. And so I either have to go to the folder and then drag it into the email attachment, then go to another folder or then switch away from the email application to the finder again, grab it, drag it, go back and, and, you know, do that four times in four different folders or just click the, the uh, attachment button and have to do that manually through the interface or I use drop shelf. And basically what I can do is you you just grab a file, drag it to the edge of your screen. This little shelf pops out, you let it go and it stays there. And then you go and you can just go grab all the files you want and continue to drop them on that one shelf. Nice. Then I go back to the email application once, drag them from the little shelf, drop them on the email application and boom, they're all there as attachments. Um, I, I use it for other things as well. Just like primarily when I have to collect a number of different files or images from different folders that I then want to add, create a zip folder of to then send off to a client or something like that. It's just, you know, it, it costs about $5 usually, but um, the developer right now is in the process of updating it to be compatible with um, Apple's M1 and M2 chips. So it's just, they have it available for free right now, like the beta version, and it works just as well as the previous one did. And it's it's become sort of indispensable in my workflow. One of those ones I install on my computer every time I have to do a fresh install. So it's called Drop Shelf. I recommend you check it out. Free is good. Mm-hmm. I am going there right now. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. 
Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Sizzle Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at the spawnchunks.com. And you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at one o'clock Atlantic. That's UTC minus three hours. Stephen, where can people find you online? easiest place is on twitch as well at twitch.tv slash steven esc again with a steven with a ph where i have one more stream left to do on my lego vespa so by the time this comes out it'll probably already be built but you'll be able to catch the um the video on demand there if you want to check it out you've been listening to the citadel cafe where we are fast easy and cheap but you can only pick two